We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to our January breakfast with Pastor Whit George. Let's tune in and listen to his message to the Brotherhood. Hey guys. Morning, men. Happy New Year. Good to be here. I, uh, I've, I've been kind of thinking about what I wanted to talk about this week. It's difficult when um, I do these Brotherhood breakfasts because I have a sermon to preach on the weekend. And so m- much of my sermon preparation uh, happens in my head. It's just how I do it. So it's kind of like having two conversations uh, in your head going on at the same time and you're trying to listen to both of them. So I've, I've been struggling. And actually for me, it's been three this week because I've had two different sermon ideas in my mind for what I wanted to share with you this morning. One is uh, out of my life verse, uh, Hebrews 11.8, and the other is, is giving a, a prediction of the exact date and time that Jesus will return. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Hebrews 11.8. So uh, if you brought a Bible this morning or if you want to look it up on your phone, I would encourage you uh, take a second and peek at Hebrews 11.8. This is a very meaningful verse. In fact, I would say this is probably my life verse. Uh, it's not that I've had this memorized for the last 25 years. It's that this verse, particularly over the last three to five years, has really meant a lot to me. And uh, I see so much of myself in this verse. You know, the stories of the Bible are not just like fairy tale stories that you kind of reading to go, wow, that's, that's cool what happened to Gideon or what happened to David. They're, they're our stories too. What happened is what is happening. And the idea of the scripture is that when you read it, you're meant to see a pattern or what happened in their lives as what is happening or what God wants to do in, in your life. I got one slide this morning. It's the title of what I want to talk about, and that is Following God with Abraham. Hebrews 11.8 speaks to, just briefly, the story of Abraham, and I think it says so much in such a a short little verse. I I go back over it again and again in my mind, and every time I think about it, new truths emerge. It, It says this, and this is just the NIV, which is what I have memorized. It goes like this, by faith, Abraham, when called by God to go to a land that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. And I love this last part. This is the part I relate to so much. Though he did not know where he was going. How many of you could relate, especially that last part? Though he did not know where he was going, by faith, Abraham, when called by God to go to a land that he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, though he did not know where he was going. What does it mean to follow God? Well, it means a lot of things, but I want to draw three thoughts out of this verse that I think mean, will mean a lot to us um, as we're heading into and as we're kind of standing on the, the, at the beginnings of this new year, following God this year. You know what I love about following God? And I do love that last part. It's kind of scary thinking about following God into the unknown, but I got to be honest with you, I wouldn't want it any other way. 
I think the best part of the adventure of following God is that you don't know what's around every corner. I think if God kind of laid out the master plan for your life, it, 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 one, I'd screw it up, and two, if I didn't screw it up, it'd be a little bit boring. I like not knowing where we're going. I, I took up a few years back motorcycling, and I, I, I love to get out on, on a motorcycle and ride, and I got buddies that I do. And what I've discovered about me and riding motorcycles is what I love so much about it is the adventure. It's the unknown. It's not knowing what the next road holds. It's not knowing what's over that, that, that horizon line. And you come over and the world opens up and there's this vista and you see things. And it's like, man, this is fantastic. It's that adventure of exploring and exploration that I think speaks to something so deeply, particularly in men. And that's what it is to follow God. It's following him into the unknown. But there's three things that I think stand out in this verse that I think are maybe particularly instructive for how we follow God as men. I'm gonna give them to you up front if you're taking notes and I would hope that you'd write these things down because they're meaningful and I think they could really be impactful to you. The first is calling. The second one we'll talk about is place. And the third we'll talk about is people. Calling, place, and people. Before we jump in, I want to pray for us this morning. Father in heaven, the fact that we're here today, Lord, I think demonstrates our desire to follow you. I mean, to show up on Friday morning at 6.45, wake up early, and all of it that it takes to get here represents a commitment, Lord, of men in this community who are following you with some diligence, with some intentionality, Lord, that's awesome. I know you're proud of them, and I know you love and are cheering on what's happening here in this room. This is wonderful. Father, I pray that as we seek you this morning to learn and hear from you, that you would speak to us, speak through me. Lord, I pray that my mind would be clear to share the thoughts that you've put in me to say to these men. Father, I pray that they would be receptive to hear what you have to say to them and that we would not just hear it, but that we would put it into practice. We want to follow you like Abraham followed you. Help us to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Calling, place, and people. Let's jump right in. I want to talk first about calling. By faith, Abraham, when called by God. Abraham was called by God. And this is the life of faith. God speaks, we obey. When called by God to go to a land that he would later receive as his inheritance, Abraham obeyed and went. God spoke, Abraham obeyed. That is the pattern for following God. God speaks, we obey. There's an obsession in this country right now, and I see it particularly among men, and it's not the worst thing in the world, but there are some downsides to it with leadership. We're obsessed with leadership. You know, I see, I see it particularly even maybe in the church. Every pastor has a leadership podcast, and we're always talking about the latest leadership books that we've read and trying to improve ourselves. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve yourself as a leader. But we have, I don't know, kind of idolized leadership, making it so that if you're not a leader, you're not really doing something with your life. Here's what I would tell you. When you read through the Bible, you won't find such an obsession with leadership. In fact, you find something quite different. The Bible is not so much about leading so much as it is about following. You will become a better leader if you become a better 
follower. And the first place that you follow is following Jesus, following God, allowing him to speak. And so much of our kind of American ideal is this sort of leadership ideal which involves sort of being the man and having all the answers and having it all together and this sort of self-development deal. And I get it. Like there, there's, something, there's something beneficial about developing yourself. And I'm not telling you stop reading all the leadership books that you're reading. But so many men, especially maybe Christian men, are obsessed with and are learning through leadership books and spending very little time in Scripture. We spend more time trying to find out what the latest CEO who you know, has it all together, or the latest leadership expert who's written the hot new book that is going to tell us how to win at life and achieve results and efficiency and success. I got to tell you, read through the scripture. You're not going to find much about success. You're not going to find much about efficiency and results and achieving your goals. Again, th th those things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves. It's when we get them out of order that they become a problem. You will find a lot about obedience. You will find a lot about diligence and faithfulness and following and listening and the first step of a life of faith is learning to hear God speak. God calls, and then you obey. You do whatever it is that God said. So maybe the best thing you could do this year for yourself, for your family, for your wife, for your business, for the team that you lead, is rather than focusing on becoming a better leader, you focus on becoming a better follower. And to become a better follower means you're going to have to become a better listener, learning to hear God's voice, learning to get still and allow him to speak, spending time in the scripture, not just chugging through a chapter a day going, all right, got my Bible reading in, check, but allowing God to really speak to you. That comes through the meditation of his word. What does that look like? It looks like running scripture through your mind so continually that God begins to reveal some new thoughts to you. I have people I bump into from time to time as a pastor, and they're like, how did you get that out of that verse? I spent a long time with it. It's not that I'm a genius. It's just that I put time in, and I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me over a period of time. Well, that's nice for you, Whit. You know, this is your job. I get it. But a lot of it happens in the background of my life. I just am constantly running these verses through my mind by faith. Abraham, when called by God to go to a land that he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, though he did not know where he was going. I was running three miles uh, two days ago. First time I had run in a long time and went out with my son and decided to take up, well, I'm actually, if some of you know, I'm training for some half marathon out there in the future someday. And um, so I'm like, I might, might as well get started running. So I was running around the fortune park. I'm running around the fortune, just meditating as I'm running. And you know what pops into my mind? Calling, place, people. God speaks. You, you gotta give him time to speak to you though. And you gotta be in a place where you can listen. All right, God, what is it that you wanna say? And when God speaks, then your job is to obey. But we don't like to listen. We don't like to listen because listening is hard. I don't know about you, but I don't like listening. Listening requires humility. Listening requires humbling yourself and allowing someone else's perspective to kind of uh, hit you. And God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us to, through wise counsel. How many of you know God speaks through your wife? 
God can speak through your employees, through your team. God spoke to me a couple of years ago. We, um, we determined, and I, I had been meaning to do this, taken a year or two to kind of get it implemented. I'd heard about a, a, a company called Best Christian Workplace Institute. What they do is they come in and they, they sort of administer a survey to your employees and they ask really thorough questions. Think of this as like the, uh, you know, the, 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 the really uncomfortable physical that you don't want to go to. That one for your business. That's what this is. And, uh, and so what, what happens is they ask all these questions and then they compile all the results and you get a, a, a score as to how healthy you are as a company. And I think the way that it works is something like 4.55 is like the highest score. I don't, I don't understand their scoring system. I just kind of know what the, the numbers are. The best you can get is 4.55, right? And toxic as a culture, right, is 3.75, anything below 3.75 and below. That's toxic. That's the toxic category. So you're somewhere you want to be, you know, probably above four, and anything down into three is starting to kind of get problem area. So 4.55 being the highest. So we bring them in, and they ask all the questions, and I'm a little, un, you know, a little uncertain of how, what we're going to get back, what we're going to learn. We came in, Church on the Move came in, this is 2020, fall of 2020 when we did this survey, y'all. We came in at 3.76, one above toxic, praise God. You don't know the best part of it all? They take the questions and they group them together in categories. And you know, some of them have to do with benefits and some of them have to do with, I don't know, you know, communication and whatever. The one I remember, the one that sticks out in my mind was the category of inspiring leadership. And you want to know where it was? At the bottom. And when I'm reading this, I'm going, great. My employees just said, you are one of the worst parts about this whole experience of working here. That's what it felt like anyways to read it. So I'm hearing all of this. And rather than ignore it, rather than say, you know what, y'all are wrong. You guys are the problem. You know what we did? We got in front of all of our employees and we said, hey, here's the scores. Here's what we did. We let them see everything. And they said, we're going to work on this. Can I tell you, the last two years in a row, we've changed our score. In fact, this year, Brian, I see you back here somewhere. What was our score, Brian? Where are we at? I'm, I'm probably, probably uh, saying something that I should. There you are. What was our score? 4.3 something. We're in the high, amongst the highest businesses and category that they've got. We are a certified, two years running, certified best Christian workplace. But it happened only because we were willing to listen. It takes humility to listen. God can speak when you listen. When you slow down enough to listen to what he's saying, to what the people around you are saying, you can go so much further, faster, because rather than showing up trying to lead, you're showing up in humility saying, all right, God, where are you leading and how can I serve? That will change your 2023 calling. What is God saying? What is he saying through the people around you? Learn this year to become a better listener than focusing on being a better leader. That's number one. The second thing I want to talk about is place. Abraham, when called by God to go to a place, God calls people to places. 
not just abstract, imaginary, sort of out there in the ether places, but real, physical, tangible, touchable, measurable places. Now that may seem like semantics to you, but let me tell you why this matters. It matters because it means that God will meet you and wants to meet you in the very real, touchable, ordinary places of your life. When God called Abraham, he did not know where he was going. Abraham had had no clue where he was going, but make no mistake, God knew where he was taking him, and it was a very specific place. God didn't just say, you know what, Abraham, go out there and look for home. Whatever that means to you, Abraham, you just go find home. That's not what happened. God led him to a specific place that has specific boundaries. In fact, you can still go there today. It's called the nation of Israel. I was there just this last year. I went to a gate that Abraham walked through 4,000 years ago. That land is not imaginary. It's a real place. And it's in the real places of our lives that God often meets us and does his greatest work. It's when we move God sort of out of the mythical, ethereal, abstract realm and we bring him into the specific parts of our lives that real change and real progress start to occur. What do I mean by this? Well, what I mean is that when when we start, it's in the specific details, let's put it this way, the specific details of your life that life gets real. In other words, it's one thing to be married to a woman, it's another thing to be married to your wife, isn't it? It's one thing to be, think about the idea of having children, it's another thing to be a parent or a father to your kids. It's one thing to think about leading a business, it's a whole other thing when you think about the specifics of your exact situation. It's in the details that it gets real. It's in the concreteness, the placeness of where God has placed you that he does often his best work. It's in taking on the advantages and the disadvantages. And that's the thing about places, real places, is they have advantages and disadvantages. In other words, Israel, the nation or the place that God called Abraham has a real climate, has real agricultural realities, has real advantages and disadvantages, and your life works the exact same way. God calls you to a place, to a marriage, to a business, to a family, to a team, to a church for maybe a long season or maybe just a short one, but in those seasons, he calls you into those places and he uses both the advantages and the disadvantages, the positives and the negatives. He uses the difficulties and the, 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 the joy of it all. He uses all of it to shape you into who he wants you to be. And this is important because so often we look at the difficulty of life or the frustration of life as something to be overcome, but what if it's rather a tool to shape you into who God wants you to be? So what you do with this is that you look at where has God placed you? What situation are you in right now? What marriage are you in right now? What job are you in right now? Is God placed you there? Did he open the door for this place? Is that where he's planted you? Here's the reality you're gonna find, just like Abraham, it's not perfect. There are challenges, there are negatives, 
But it's in the reality of your situation, the very, the very highs and lows of where he's placed you, that he's going to shape you and make you into what he wants you to be if you'll embrace it. And that's what I've seen in my life. God called me to a place. I didn't realize it in the beginning. I just took a job with my dad out of high school because I didn't know what else to do. My dad said, hey, come work at the church. I'll give you a cushy job laying sod for minimum wage. I said yes because he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. It was one of those deals, you know, where your dad says, hey, would you like to? But he really means you have no other choice. That's what was going on. I came to work at the church. That was 20, going on 28 years ago, 29. I forget when it is. I'm coming up. Let's see, 2024 will be 30 years of working at Church on the Move. I had no idea that's what I was in for when I started here nearly 30 years ago. Can I tell you there have been some highs. There have been some wonderful experiences that I've had working here. Can I also tell you there have been some really difficult moments. There have been many times that I've wanted to leave, many times that I wanted to hit the eject button, many times that I said to myself, this isn't worth it. Can I tell you, I am so glad though that I did not follow my feelings, but I went back to my calling. I said, God, where have you placed me? And I knew that I knew over and over again, God had placed me here. So when I stuck it out and I stayed with it, you know what's amazing is God does something in you when you're willing to do that. When you say, you know what, I'm not quitting, I'm not giving up, I'm not gonna spend my year criticizing my boss, griping about the company that I work at, being frustrated with my marriage, I'm going to lean into it. What if God has given you the situation that you're in not to make you happy, but to make you holy? What if he's using the difficulty and the frustration and the unfortunate or difficult circumstances that you have to shave some things off of you, to change you in some way? What if rather than pining for some other life that we wish we had, what if we leaned into the very real obligations and circumstances that we have right now? See, that's the thing about life, is that there is obligations, and it's through the embrace of obligations and responsibility that God makes you into whoever it is that he wants you to be. We have this notion in this country that somehow being completely free and completely autonomous is the life that we're all after. That if I could set my own schedule, set my own hours, pay myself my own wage, run my own business, be the boss of myself, that somehow that's like the top of the mountain. And if you run your own business and you get to do all of those things, fine, but here's the reality is that it's not in the shedding of obligations that you become who it is that God's called you to be. Rather, it's in the embrace of the burden that God's put on you that you become who God's called you to be. It's taking on that role as a husband. It's taking on that role as a boss. It's taking on that role as a father and saying, you know what, this isn't the life that I had imagined for myself, but I'm gonna own it. I'm going to embrace it. And you know what I found? is that in owning that, I have become someone that I never thought I would be. I've become a different kind of person, a different kind of man, a different kind of husband. That's what it means when it says that Abraham, when called by God, to, he would go to a land that he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, though he did not know where he was going. There had to be a moment in Abraham's life where he looked back and he went, how did I get here? And you know, those are the best kind of God moments where you look at where God's led you and you go, this is not the path that I would have chosen for myself. 
I would never have organized it this way. I would never have picked all of this. And yet God's brought me here and he's used all of this that I've been through and all the responsibility and the obligation and the highs and the lows and all of it. And he's brought me here and made me this man. I would rather be, here's the thing, I would rather be who I am today than have the life that I imagined and dreamt for myself years ago. Then, then, then either that, there's no comparison, there's no trade. Who God has made me through the journey that I've been on is far better than what I could have come up with for myself. But it comes through embracing the place that God has put you. Where has God put you? Where has he placed you? What obligations, what responsibilities can I challenge you men this year in 2023? Look at those obligations, those responsibilities. They may not be forever. Maybe you're a student right now. Maybe you're just in an entry-level job and it's not gonna be where you're gonna be for the rest of your life. Can I challenge you? Pour yourself into it like it is your lifelong calling and watch what God does. Pour yourself into that marriage. Stop griping about it to your friends. Stop talking about the difficulties of your situation to everyone else around you and lean into whatever it is, wherever it is that God's placed you and watch what God can do. He will work with you if you'll work with him. That's the idea of place, is that he uses your specifics to shape you into someone that you never thought you could be. Calling, place, and finally, people. By faith, Abraham, when called by God to go to a land that he would later receive as his inheritance. What is that inheritance speaking of? Well, Abraham didn't go to the land of promise just for himself. God told him from the beginning, I'm going to bring a people out of you. We know as we read a little bit deeper on into the story that it was never just about Abraham, it was Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob, that there's a people around him. And God, from the very beginning of the pages of Scripture, men, has been wanting a people, a community. He wanted it in the very beginning, the very first words, in fact, of God to mankind. Do you know what they are? are? Be fruitful and multiply. That's the very first words that God spoke to mankind. Make a family. This is not just God saying, hey, have kids. This is God saying, I want a people. It's interesting when you look at how sin corrupted the, the, the God story, if you will, when you read through the scriptures, what you find is that every turn, when Noah comes off the ark, you know what God tells him? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. What is it that God promises Abraham? Look into the stars, look at the sand of the seashore, I'm going to bring a people out of you. I want a, a family, a nation. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus comes, he says in what, Matthew 16, upon this rock, I will build my what? Church, and do you know what a church is? It's a people, it's a community, it's a brotherhood. And men, if you're going to run the race that God has set out for you, looking ahead here to Hebrews 12, which would come just after, Hebrews 11, you're gonna need a group of people cheering you on. You're gonna need a group of brothers cheering you on, saying, come on, you can do it, picking you up when you fall down. That's part of what the church is for. 
Abraham was not called to go to a land just to live there on his own. He was called to go there to be a part, to be the beginnings of a people. You and I right now are the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham over 4,000 years ago. We're living out the reality that God told Abraham that he wanted. So when we come together in rooms like this on a 645 on a Friday morning, it's more than just sharpening ourselves. It's more than just becoming better leaders for 2023, but that we're brothers in arms, linking arm and arm together, running our race together, making sure that this brother doesn't fall and that that brother doesn't get left behind and that we're moving forward together in our walk and journey with God. And we do that by picking one another up and by by challenging one another and calling each other out when we need it. And I don't know about you, but I need it. I need men in my life who are looking at me and calling me out on my BS. Who could say, come on, wit, stop playing games. Come on, rise up over here. And I have that in my life. I have men who I'm close to, who know me, who know the most intimate details of my life. And you know what? It saves my butt. I got to tell you, I look around, uh, you see it the same as I do, pastors falling, dropping like flies. And I think so much of it is that we're isolated. And I've made a decision a long time ago, I'm not running my race alone. I challenge you to do the same thing, to let men into your life who can cheer you on and say, come on, keep going, keep going, keep going. I'll close with this. I, I told this story a while back, and so some of you may have heard it, but I think it's worth telling again. A few months ago, actually probably back in November, my son Elliot, who's 17, informed all of us that he was going to, in a couple of weeks, run in the Route 66 marathon. Now, he's a cross-country runner, and so he's been training for a while, running cross-country, but I think the longest run he had done up to that point was maybe somewhere 13, maybe 15 miles had been the longest run, but he was gonna go run a marathon, and in the, this is hilarious, oh, to be 17 again. In the intervening weeks, like the, the two weeks from cross-country season to, the, to the, the start of the marathon, he didn't train at all. Like, he just laid around, played Fortnite, whatever it is that, you know, he does at 17. And, uh, and on the day of the marathon, he just rolls out of bed, goes, jumps in the starting line, and b begins running. And so Heather and I are down there, at least we're, we're, we're trying to be, Heather's got responsibilities to the church, I'm off that weekend, and we're showing up. This is what you do. If you've ever been to a marathon or watched anyone, I'm a marathon watcher, not so much a marathon runner yet, but I was, you know, you, you stand on the sidelines and you cheer. And I remember I'm at mile, what, three, and I'm watching Elliot, come on Elliot, keep going, go, and he runs by, and then we meet him again at, I don't know, mile seven. By mile 13, I could tell he was starting to flag a little bit. It was starting to get a little bit difficult for him. I didn't see him from mile 13 to mile 20. By the time we saw him on mile 20, he was walking uh, through the TU parking lot. I grabbed him, I had a little shot of energy drink. I said, here, take this, drink it, keep going. Don't quit, don't give up. We were there for mile 20, mile 22. Somewhere downtown, Heather gets a hold of him and she has him. She's called him, he's got headphones in his ear, and she's just encouraging him, come on, keep going. And she was just giving him a little encouragement. She said, do you want me to hang up and you can run the rest of the race? He said, no, stay on the phone. So she kept talking to him. She stayed on the phone with him till his phone died. Eventually, she lost touch with him. He's 
Not too far away, though, because she knows where the route is going, and she's standing there kind of around the corner waiting for him to come, and she sees him off in the distance, and he's coming, but in between him and her is another guy who's running, and so Heather's yelling. She's yelling at Elliot, but this guy that's in front thinks he's talking to her, and so she's going, hey, come on, feet, keep moving, feet, keep moving, legs, don't quit, don't stop, and that guy running in front is like, yes, I receive it, thank you. How many of you know when you're in it, you'll just kind of take encouragement from anyone? And I'll never forget seeing Elliot run down that home stretch, cheering him on. Come on, keep going, finish your race. I I can't imagine what it would be to run that race alone, to have no one cheering for you, no one pulling for you, no one trying to get you across that finish line. Men, maybe the best thing that we've got in this brotherhood is each other. Maybe it's not about showing up here every month and going, man, that guy, wow, that that guy's amazing. Look at what he, there's great things that get said from this stage. Can I tell you, the real treasure of this whole ministry is sitting at your table. And the quicker you get involved and you go past just the eating the breakfast and hearing the talk and going on to work, and the more you start rubbing shoulders with the men around you, I think the further you're gonna go and the faster you're gonna go and the more that God can do in you because he's put you with his people. There's a real value to having men beside you saying, don't quit, don't give up on that marriage. Don't give up on those kids. I know you've made some mistakes as a father. Keep going. Get back in the fight. Don't stop. Don't quit. We've got men beside us, brothers beside us, cheering us on. We determine to step into the place that God has called us to, and we listen this year for his voice, and we determine that we will obey. And There's no telling what God can do through through a brotherhood who are tuned in to his voice and following him like that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I want to pray over you. I want to pray over your year. Heavenly Father, thank you for this group of men who are doing what they can to follow you. You know, Lord, you don't ask for perfection. Thank God we couldn't bring it. You just ask for our best. Lord, that's what we determined this morning. We're going to give you our best in 2023. We determined to listen. We want to hear your voice. Father, I pray for men in this room who've never in their lives really sat down to read the scripture and hear from you. I pray that that would happen this year for them. This would be the year they break through that barrier that they spend some real time in your word, allowing you to speak by your Holy Spirit. Lord, reveal things to them. I pray that as they read scripture, the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and Holy Spirit, you would speak in such a meaningful way that they would say to themselves, whoa, I can hear from God too. Yes, they can. I pray against the work and lies of the enemy that would tell them that they're just a, uh, they're they're not a spiritual man. They, They don't have those gifts. They're not a pastor. I pray against all of that. Lord, you want to speak to them. You hardwired them. You made them. And you made them for the place that you've called them. I pray that we would embrace our calling this year. That we would step into those places as fathers, as husbands, as business leaders. Step in with humility and grace and, uh, Lord, wanting to hear from you and, 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 and follow where you're leading. 
We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to step past our, uh, our, our, our hesitations, our fears, our concerns, and step into relationship with the men around us. Sharing difficult things, Lord, in some cases secrets that haven't been told before, but stuff that we need to bring into the light. I pray it would happen this year. Give us the courage to do it so that we can be free to really pursue and follow you and run our race. Lord, we thank you. We just commit this is gonna be a great year. Doesn't matter what happens out in the world. I, I, a lot of circumstances. I, I don't know what the future holds. I know you're good and I know you're faithful. We commit to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen.